it's really just amazing to be able to share with you guys. And um, just before Richard left on leave, he, he sort of gave me a bit of homework to do. Um, we sat down and he said, hey, maybe, you know, these are some things you can preach on. And, and it was really quite amazing because it's, it's actually one of the scriptures that I really hold dear to my heart as I think as someone that, that leads worship and, and just that, that, that really feel connected with the Lord in worship. And I'm really trusting this morning that the Lord would touch our hearts. That it wouldn't just be about touching our theologies or ideologies or agendas or strategies. But that He would come and touch our hearts. And I want to start with a, with a piece of scripture. And that since the day I got saved, this scripture was both challenging but encouraging at the same time. And it's in Revelation 2. And just want to give a bit of context before I go into it. So John is, is on the island of Patmos. He's, he's exiled there. And all of a sudden, you know, there's this revelation that he receives from God. And God starts speaking to him. Jesus appears to him and starts speaking to him. And he tells him, write these letters to the seven churches in Asia. And he instructs him and he, and he starts writing. And, and I think it's important to understand that this is not John. But these were the words of Jesus through John as he was speaking to these churches. And the first church that Jesus addresses is the church in Ephesus and Jesus speaks and he says to them from verse 2 I know your works your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you've not grown weary but this I have against you is that you've abandoned the love you had at first remember therefore from where you've fallen repent and do the works you did at first I don't want to trip over this and, and you read that and you think, well, hang on. You know, Jesus is listing this whole list of these incredible things that this church was doing so well. And they were really, they, they had the spiritual heavyweights in this congregation. If you go back to, to who was part of this congregation. And he was listing these things and saying, you've done so well. Well done, Ephesus. And he says, but this one thing is that you've abandoned the love you had at first. And that list of amazing things that they were doing right in comparison with this one thing, that one thing outweighed them all. It fell flat. And it was that first love. That first love. And I remember reading that scripture for the first time and my normal, usual response to, to something like that is a very Afrikaans, shoo. <laughs> and I remember reading that and, 
And the words that came out of my mouth were sure. <laughs> and you see that Jesus is revealing his heart here. That he's saying, Ephesus, you've done well. But I want your heart. Not works. I want your heart. It wasn't a matter about being the best, about having the best, about achieving all these amazing things. But it was always and will forever be a heart matter, a matter of love and of loving Him first above all else. And I've seen this in, in my own life that if this is not the place that I live from, everything falls flat. I end up missing Him. I miss His heart. Outwardly, I'm, I'm busy with the things of Him. I'm, I'm running hard. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the things I should. I'm doing what I need to do. But inwardly, there's almost this disconnect. And it's happened so many times where I feel like, Lord, yeah, I need to come back to you. You want my heart. And in April 23 this year, I, I, went, and, I, I went and did a bit of research. A study was done in America just about divorce and, and the reasons for, for why people get, are getting a divorce. And it came back that 75%, and this was done in April, that 75% of couples get divorced because of a lack of commitment or a lack of love. That 75% of marriages end up because of a lack of love for their spouse. And you just see Jesus addressing this church. And he's saying, you've abandoned the love you've had at first. And I, really, I like, your Lord, like, he's addressing the church like this. And, and I brought this back to, to our own marriage. And, and Rebecca and I have been married now for just over a year. Ooh, yes. <laughs> and, and actually on that, it is actually great. It fits in with my notes. As we meet new people, you, you sort of get different responses as, as people ask you, so how long have you guys been married? And, and we would say, no, we've been married just for over a year. And, and you get the one group of people that after a year and a bit, they still congratulate you, which is amazing. They say like, oh, congratulations. It's, it's been a year, but congratulations. It's mostly my family and my mother that does that, that still congratulates us. And then you get that group of people that they go and they say, oh, that's awesome. You know, great, great for you. And then there's the other group. <laughs> where you say like no we've been married for a year and they say oh you guys are still in the honeymoon phase <laughs> hang on to those butterflies they will disappear and I think to myself but hey where's the encouragement where's that keep on loving it will forever be there and so it's so this thing of where 
it, it, it's not to say that if the butterflies go, that love goes with it. It's actually to say that if the butterflies go, love should increase because it means there's more space for love. And that as we go on, as we get to know him better, as we come back to that place of first love, that it actually increases in our hearts. That love is to remain the centerpiece. And for us as those who serve him and who love him, who are here to worship him, is he our first love? Is he that first thought when you wake up and that last one as you lay your head down? And are we consumed by the fact that he loves us and we get to love him back in return? And as I said, just going back and looking at those statistics, it's that the issue was never an outward one. But it was an inward one, one of the heart, a heart that was disconnected from the Lord. And we live in a world where, where there's always something that is drawing our attention away. We live in a world that has become so instant. Now we've got microwave popcorn, we've got electric cars. There's always something that is a lot quicker than being patient. We live in a world that is always drawing, drawing. Where almost everything, literally anything, can become an addiction. And it wants to steal that first love that we have. And Satan knows this. He knows that God desires a heart that is connected. And he will do everything to interrupt that connection. You'll do anything to place something in that place and to draw our hearts away. He wants our hearts to be connected. That first love. That first love. And, and, and I thought, reading that scripture, like, how do you respond? As the church in Ephesus, <laughs> how do you respond to, to Jesus saying, well done, but this. But Jesus, in his grace and his mercy, actually at the, at the later portion of that scripture, shows them and he gives them three ways. He gives them three things. And if you can put up Revelation 2 verse 5, Jesus says, Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. It's the response we can take on. And so the first one, just looking at it. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. What this is for us is going back to that place where we have first tasted and experienced his grace and his mercy where the death and the resurrection of Jesus became a reality and not just a chapter or a story 
that we've read in the Bible, where it becomes the place from where we live. And I just love what, what Paul writes in Romans 5 verse 8. And he writes and he says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's by remembering that we were once separated and actually called enemies. And he goes on and he writes in, in, in verse 10, Romans 5 verse 10, that he said, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And it's by remembering that as we were once called enemies, he now calls us beloved because of that reconciliation. Because of that love that he showed, he calls us beloved. It's going back to that place. Remembering. Saying, Lord, I'm not here in my own account, but by the death of your son, by your sacrifice. And then secondly, Jesus goes on and, and he says one short word. And oftentimes it's one of the most feared words in the church. Repent. And for us, what this is, is in that moment, you go back to that place and you realize that, ah, oh, I've strayed. I've missed him. I've missed his heart. I've gone off course. And it's making that decision in your heart and coming back and saying, Lord, I want you. I want you. And we read in Acts 3 verse 19, where Peter is speaking and he's, he's, he's saying that, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And it's amazing to see just that, that repenting, that turning back. Isn't this, oh, I'm turning back. But it's that refreshing. It's that turning back. And it's in humility that we do this. <laughs> that I've gone before the Lord and I've gone, Lord, you give grace to the humble. You resist the proud. It's in humility that we turn back to Him. We say, Lord, I want your heart. Not my own. <laughs> Not my intentions. I want your heart, Lord. And then lastly, number three, Jesus goes on and He says, and do the works He did at first. And just in preparing this, the, the first thing that I thought of when, when I read this, do the works you did at first, for me, it's intimacy. It's that intimate place of connecting with the Lord. That secret place. That place where it's, it's just you and Him. Where there's no distractions, no hindrances. There's, there's not a time limit. 
place of intimacy. And for me, returning to what the things that I did at first, is I remember when I was in Bible school, I just learned how to play guitar. And I could literally only play four chords and it didn't sound great. And I just remember in, in and between classes and even after classes, my guitar would stand there in my room. I would run to my room, pick up my guitar, just sit on the bed. And I would just want to play a song. I would just want to sing one song before I had to go back. And I remember even in the winter times, and not knocking Wellington, but it gets cold there. <laughs> and it floods quickly because it's in a valley. And I remember in the winter times, I would put on my gumboots, put on a rain jacket, run out into the cold with my guitar. I didn't steward my guitar great at that time. And I would run out in the pouring rain and just worship. I would just stand there in the cold, fingers freezing, and just worship. Because it was that first connection. It was almost that, that new discovery of what is this? <laughs> Like, oh, my hat, I want this. I want more of this. Just wanted to love him first. Where early mornings didn't matter. We had to get up early. But you, you had to get up earlier than early. It didn't matter. And it's so many times, just after that, of just going through the motions of, of becoming busy and, 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 and starting to work and, and doing, even in ministry. I've not been in ministry long, but I've, I've seen it happen to my heart so many times where my secret place would become a, a place of work and not worship. It, it would become a place of duty and not digging. It would become a place of, I have to instead of I want to. And if I'm honest, there's, there's a regret that I have and that's not responding every time that he's called me. It's not listening. Um, Mac Adami from Stellenbosch always speaks of the nudge. You feel that nudge sometimes. He's not responding to that nudge. And, and I've got these, you, you always make these ideals when, when you see that one day your time with him worked in this way. Like, you know, you, you almost have these prerequisites that you, that you have. Like, okay, I need to have a coffee. I need to have my guitar here. This needs to be in this place. I, I need to have this music on. And every time I just get busy with that. I just feel him say, just come. Just come. It's not about all of the other things. Just come. And the closer we get to him, the more we just become consumed by him, by this first love heart the more difficult it becomes to take our eyes off of him. And I remember moving from Johannesburg to Cape Town first. I, I didn't move 
to Cape Town itself, I moved to Wellington. It's not a downgrade, but I moved to Wellington. And so I would be what you consider a Vali because we oh, I'm a Transfaller, so I'm still a Vali. I have not, yeah, I've not made the cut yet for the Cape Townian. Um, I've got a Cape Town number plate, but no, anyway. And living in Wellington, obviously you're quite secluded from everything, <laughs> far, quite far away. And basically almost the only road is the R44. That's like the best road. And we would do these little excursions or, or trips into Cape Town. And you would drive onto the off, on the R44 towards Cape Town. And on a great day, on a clear day, from Wellington, believe it or not, you would see Table Mountain. And it was really one of the most incredible sights is seeing Table Mountain from that far away. That as you got closer to Cape Town, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point that as you came into Cape Town, it was the only thing that you could see. It was right in front of you. And to draw that for us as, as we draw close to him, he becomes the only thing we see. You become so close that you cannot miss him. And that daily, daily, he says to us, just come. Just come. <laughs> just come. And we know that he will be faithful. He's always faithful. He's God. He's faithful to reveal himself. He says that in his word. He says that those who draw near, I will draw near to them. And it takes patience. It takes patience to build that place. It takes faith to build that place. It takes a burning heart to build that thing. And probably one of my favorite scriptures in, the, in, in Proverbs, if I could get this as a I wanted to say tattoo. I'm not a tattoo guy. So I thought if I wanted to, I wanted to get this as a, a sticker on our car if my wife allowed us. It's a scripture in Proverbs which says that the soul of the sluggard wants and craves, but it gets nothing. But the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. That diligence that patience of waking up morning by morning and saying, Lord, here I am. And that as we get to that place, as we say, Lord, here I am, he says, I've been waiting. I'm here. Just come. Just come. And I remember as a, as a young boy, one of the things that I loved the most of spending time with my dad is we had a little piece of grass. And every afternoon, almost every afternoon, he would get home from work and I would have the cricket polkies plugged in. And he would say, let's just play. And it would be this time where after a busy day, he would just get home. Come on, speel that pikkie. 
And there was this excitement in me that I didn't even after a while have to ask him. He would just come and say, Gaan ons bala gooi. Gaan ons speel. And that that excitement should bubble in our hearts as we think of our intimacy with him. As we say, Lord, can we just spend time together? And just as I close, I want to end off with saying that this heart, this returning to this first love, to this place, is it's not something that we conjure up in ourselves. It's not something that we make happen. And I've, and I've when I feel my heart grown cold, it's, it, the first thing I run to is works, and it, it's, it doesn't work. Works don't work. But it's a trust and reliance on the Holy Spirit to take us there. To bring into remembrance that place from where we've been and that place to where we are going. And that as God, where he said in Zechariah, he said, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And even that song we sing, that it's, we sang, come Holy Spirit, set me on fire. 